0: to atypical talk this is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith culture and the common spaces of our humanity i'm abby
1: i'm allison and i'm joel
0: and one of our topics today is going to be about aliens because you know (laughs) gotta love it Yeah. yeah but um so our first question today is what is your favorite movie with aliens there are lots to choose from. Allison and Alice and I were like, "Okay, what are some alien?" I could alien think of movies? one. I could think of
2: ET. And then Abby was like, "Oh, there's so many." I was like, "Name another." Like- Name another. <laughs> I feel like ninety percent of the
1: things I watch have aliens in them. Yes. So then kind of I plot.
2: hit the Google, and in fact, there are so many.
1: It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a whole thing, yeah. Like
2: Space Jam. Oh, my nice. gosh. With Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. Can you
1: even say that as aliens? Yes, I guess you yes, can. Yes, Cartoon you can. Aliens. Yes. They're
2: aliens. Yeah. They
1: are. They're monsters. They play a uh-huh.
2: basketball match against invading aliens.
1: Okay, basketball match. <laughs> you You're in volleyball season right now, aren't you? I really, yes. I really am. I really am. meet you up at the court for the match. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But there's so many. Space Jam is a classic, though. The really first was. soundtrack I think I ever owned was Pro- Space Jam. As
0: soundtrack? it should be. Yeah.
1: Space Jam.
0: So, Space Jam. Jam your, your choice, your or choice. Uh, I mean
2: I don't have a favorite yeah. I wouldn't say because then I was also like okay well Men in Black the original the OG mm-hmm. uh, is a classic alien movie that I've watched so many times
1: you as well I think I've only seen Men in Black like one time I what? missed I don't know I missed it when it was well uber popular. yeah
2: also you're young and um. I'm old and it came out in 1997 <laughs> is so. it really 97 wow how old
1: were you I was 10. Okay, so... And Abby wasn't even born probably. <laughs> no, I was one.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, but then also, and this is probably, could be a deep cut, I don't know, but again, because you're young, uh, the Coneheads movie, did you ever see that? I've seen Dan the Aykroyd? sketches on
1: SNL that yes. led to the movie, but yeah. I've never actually have seen the movie. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, so, I just remember watching that, I was probably a kid, I guess, I don't know what year it came out, but um, it was so amusing back in mm-hmm. the day and so you know yeah those are probably the ones that i remember the most i'm yeah. not big into scary sci-fi like movies yeah that's not my job yeah.
1: no but um i mean i feel like again this is like 90 percent of what i watch because i'm a geek from like all the <laughs> comic book movies that have alien plots like just the guardians of the galaxy like half the characters are aliens yes. and then star wars is like my favorite saga of all time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, that's all aliens, right? Uh, yeah. But I think back, there's a couple movies that strike me, um, and just like core memories for me. One was probably Independence Day. Yeah, as like that was like a disaster movie and an alien invasion mm-hmm. movie. Will Smith. It feels very Jeff men in Gold black. Boom.
2: Is that because it's? Will it was Smith, more scary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe because it he's feels in a lot of very that. the same. But it was
1: a thriller in some ways, and like there's just moments from that movie that just strike me, and like oh. I can still quote big parts of that movie. Welcome oh. to Earth. I could have been at a cookout. <laughs> like all these different <laughs> kind of things. Love it so so much. Um, but it was also like one of the very first PG-13 rated movies I ever saw. Ooh. So it was like risque. wow, this is risky. Guy here, (laughs) but then another one uh, when I was in like middle school was the M Night Shyamalan movie Signs. That's my um, my choice. That's your choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That movie like it marked me because it was like (laughs) scary but redemptive and like this really cool story throughout it. And you don't see the alien until like what an hour and twenty minutes into the movie, and then it is terrifying yeah. after you
0: see it <laughs> the the scene where they're watching the, the footage, video, yes yeah, and the alien walks by at the kid's birthday party scared the crap out <laughs> of oh me gosh. when I was a kid like that was
1: terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> and I could not look at cornfields the same way after that oh, movie yeah. um it was it's an excellent mm-hmm. film yes. it's so so good yes. and uh, I can go back to it from time to time too mm-hmm. but I love it
0: I love anything M. Night Shyamalan oh, does yeah, yeah.
1: But,
2: yeah. but for the record Abby and I were in our office and we knew with one thousand percent certainty that you were going to say guardians of the galaxy and star wars <laughs> when we well, were talking about alien movies
1: yeah those are like but they're more than just a movie to me like, know, <laughs> yeah. especially yeah. star wars it's like a part of my like identity. my dna yeah. is an identity at this point so it's hard to like because you can't pick one star wars movie oh, so yeah, it's one of those things but i love it though yeah love those stories Yep.
0: Yeah. so signs for you abby any others uh, signs is my big one Yeah, I can't really think of any other, because I've never been someone who is really into, like, alien movies, and so I didn't watch a whole lot until Lucas and I got together, because he's big into aliens, (laughs) and so he, like, I swear, every few weeks we're watching a new alien movie, and yeah, so he had me watch Aliens Dude, a few months yeah. ago, and that was really good. Aliens is a great movie. Yeah, it's, it's better. It's the sequel to the
1: original Alien, but it's mm-hmm. it's got some scary stuff in it. Yeah, like, yeah. A,
0: mm-hmm. But no, it, I I just never grew up watching no. a whole lot. So Signs was so one that stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. So our first topic today is a CNN article by Ashley Strickland. It's titled "NASA Team Studying Unidentified Phenomena Shares Preliminary Update." A team of 16 experts and scientists assembled by NASA aims to publish its first report on Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, UAPs, also known as Unidentified Flying Objects or UFOs, by the end of July. The team is going through footage and evidence of UAPs to determine how to evaluate and study these UAPs using data and technology. We roughly get anywhere from 50 to 100-ish new reports a month," said Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick of the U.S. Department of Defense. Of those reports, only 2 to 5 percent are truly unidentifiable by the team. The space agency has already noted that the limited number of observations of UAPs has made it difficult to draw scientific conclusions about the nature of such events. This report will inform NASA on what possible data could be collected in the future to shed light on the nature and origin of UAP, according to the agency. The nine-month study began on October 24, 2022, and the team will publish a report by the end of July. There have been several studies of UAPs carried out by various arms of the U.S. government, including a Pentagon report that was declassified in June of 2021 though none have given the public a clear answer about what the UAPs could be. The intent of the study is to make a proposal for a research program that can be implemented once the researchers assess the data that exists and should be reviewed. So what do you guys think about all this? Do you are you hoping that something comes out in this report or, you know, what What are your thoughts about this whole situation? Joel, you're the one that sent this to me, so I'll let you start.
1: <laughs> it's fascinating. You know, I, I kind of vacillate between some kind of anxiety and some kind of skepticism and then wondering about the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? Because there's just a lot of implications inside of this. Um, honestly, there's there's a part of me that just probably believes that there's really not anything to this. And this might be something that will silence some of the people more on the fringes. Um, just because I'm of the belief that humans are just not good at keeping big secrets and like for something to be hidden for this long and, you know, just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, cause someone's going to blab about it, um, <laughs> or anything like that. But, um, so I hope there's some truth that could come out inside of this, but uh, who knows? I mean, it's going to lead to lots of interesting questions and implications if there are things that we just can't identify. But there's just so many levels that we would have to go to get to the movie scenario Mm -hmm. um, that we're just so far away from. I mean, so many of these things could be, Um, are these UAPs or UFOs could be things from other countries. And I mean, we already saw like the, this, the weather balloons, the spy balloons and stuff Mm -hmm. this, um, last year as well. So it could be stuff like that. It could be stuff we just don't understand. It could be somebody with a drone that they're messing with, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Dropping stuff Mm -hmm. like as much as drones are popular now Mm -hmm. too. So I don't really know, but I am curious. Um, I'm curious and trying to walk towards it with a, an open mind and be like, okay, let's, Mm -hmm. you know, let's be, if christians are supposed to be people of truth we can let's figure out what the truth is Mm -hmm. and sort of work with it as it gets there but we will see in july we got to do a follow-up you know Mm -hmm. episode (laughs) when this thing actually comes out and we sort of see what this report that they've been collecting um, what it's actually going to say near the end of the summer Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that this doctor this uh, random side note said 50 to 100 ish because yep. I'm like, oh, I say ish, too. So I'm like, oh, well, that makes me scientific. Yep. Uh, but also, <laughs> NASA's budget, I guess I didn't realize this, too, is like over $30 million. And so I'm like, that is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, i I'm sure they're doing amazing work. I have no idea what all they do at NASA. Mm-hmm. Couldn't even begin to probably yes they have a, P- they have a PR it. problem They're not letting people know what they're doing <laughs> yeah. <right>? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like is this worth investing a mm-hmm. lot of you know dollars on I don't know um
1: Let's let's correct that. Sorry, but it's thirty billion dollars. I think you said million. Did I say million? Yeah, yeah, thirty billion dollars. So that's even (laughs) more. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: was going to (laughs)
0: say thirty million. That doesn't seem too outrageous. (laughs) Thirty billion. So sorry. (laughs) But
2: yeah, so I'm like, I don't know what you're doing with it. Which okay, that's fine. You don't have to tell me, I guess. But but if if it involves aliens, I don't
1: know. Like, but (laughs) if they're going to do this to defend our our earth against aliens and it's like give them 60 billion dollars i don't really know that's probably you know.
0: that's what space force is space here for yeah, yeah. happening right yeah i'm yeah. here for it but. so yeah we'll
1: we'll see it's interesting because i mean you know you don't want to walk towards it with panic you don't want to walk towards it with being obsessed and thinking about it but you know if there is life beyond earth then we should be able to celebrate all life that God chooses to create and walk towards it with curiosity and not fear Mm -hmm. and um, sort of walking towards what this all could look like. But if all truth is God's truth um, and God's character is consistent, then we can carry that into this conversation as well. And if we're supposed to be ambassadors of Christ and we're supposed to be people that represent God, then we should carry forth that heart and that Mm -hmm. characteristic towards whatever this looks like instead of being fearful or... Um, doomsday scenario oh, kind no. of things. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's interesting. I'm just yeah. curious out of all the alien archetype, like what they look like. What are they actually yeah. going to look mm-hmm. like? Right? They probably look like us. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. You probably don't even know. <laughs> uh,
1: but like one strange thing. Maybe they you're an alien. Their don't. nose is on like the back of their head or something. <laughs> like, there'll be like one strange. Thing. Yeah,
2: something to set them apart. <laughs> yeah, right. It'll be something
1: weird like that. But we will see.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was that very recent alien Mm -hmm. report that i sent you guys where in las vegas there were several people that saw something falling from the sky and then the people whose yard it fell in claimed that they saw these eight eight to ten foot tall green figures in their backyard with big eyes and stuff but the way that they were describing them they describe them exactly how we picture them like yeah, in movies in movie, and yeah. stuff. And so it makes me wonder I'm like, do you think aliens, if they're showing up, they're going to actually look like what we think they've looked right. like yeah. for so long? And
1: my thing is, dude, if aliens are actually gonna show up, are they gonna literally show up in Las Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> like the place where it's all show business and like you know, all the like yeah. glitz and glamour. Because maybe,
2: maybe they're just trying to blend in. They're like, this place is a little abnormal. Yeah, We're a little yeah, yeah. let's
0: do this. I mean if I saw an <laughs> alien walking down the street in Las Vegas, I wouldn't think twice. Nope, like you'd be like, yeah. Yep, that's on that's brand. just a performer. yep. <laughs> yep.
1: On break. Yep. On
0: break. <laughs> so our next topic today. This is a board panda article. Hard titled, hitting
1: news. Board panda. Yeah. yeah. Board right panda. Here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it says learn the history behind these commonly used phrases. There's 66 in this article. We're only going to go over a couple of them. It says there's plenty of common phrases we use or hear frequently that we probably don't know the origin of. This article looks at the meaning behind lots of these phrases. The first phrase I looked at was riding shotgun. It's a phrase used to claim the right to sit in the front passenger seat of a vehicle. This expression refers to the passenger of an old-fashioned stagecoach who sat next to the driver with a shotgun to protect from attackers and robbers along the way. The next one is show your true colors. It means to reveal one's real character or intentions, especially when these are disreputable or dishonorable. The origin comes from warships who would confuse their enemies by using multiple flags. However, warfare rules dictated that the ships must show its actual flag before firing and hence the ships would then display its true colors. And then another one is close, but no cigar, which means almost, but not quite successful. In the late 19th century, carnival games were targeted to adults and not children. So the winners would get a cigar as a prize instead of stuffed animals. The, the good her- old days. The good <laughs> old days. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if the person was close to winning, but did not succeed, they'd say it was close, but no cigar. So what did you guys think of these? Like what one stood out to you the most? Oh man, I
2: love all this kind of weird stuff because I feel like we do say a lot of things and we just don't even know why we say Mm -hmm. it. We've just always said it or heard somebody Mm -hmm. say it. Mm -hmm. But one on the list was um, about uh, waking up on the wrong side of the bed, Mm -hmm. which I never, I was like, I don't even know what that means, you know, but I have heard people say that because, yeah, you're grumpy, (laughs) right. But um, it said that... um, Not only waking up on the wrong side of the bed, but some countries say like waking up uh, with the wrong foot on the floor, which is still the left side or the left foot, I guess. Um, So much that they would push the bed up against the wall. So like when guests got out of the bed, they could only get out on the right side. I'm Hmm. like, that's deep. Our bed's kind of in the middle of a wall, so like you know, every, both um, of us can get out on either side. The left <laughs> foot
1: and the left uh, side of the bed is the devil's foot and the devil side oh, of the bed. So that's just oh. I'm, I'm, that's not real. That's <laughs> not ahead. real. The I mean, Bible no. doesn't say that. No.
2: I was like, I missed that. On today's episode of the Bible it doesn't say <laughs> yeah. that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
2: apparently, the left side, if you sleep on it, is the wrong side. Just mm-hmm. so you know, okay. I
1: love the phrase um, "caught red-handed." We think it's when. You know, you've been discovered doing something, or just after doing something wrong or illegal. But the origin actually shows that this there was this old law stating if someone butchered an animal that was not theirs, they would be punished because they had blood on their hands. So it actually caught red-handed. Goes back to like blood on your hands and butchering somebody else's animal, and I'm going to think twice the next time I say that. (laughs) for sure. But it's just so funny to think like every culture has these uh, turns of phrases, these idioms Mm -hmm. that we just lose the meaning along the way, or often the meaning morphs and changes and evolves along mm-hmm. the way. There's so many of these in the in the scriptures, too, especially in the Gospels, Jesus is teaching, and he'll use like a, a catchphrase or an idiom, a figure of speech that would have been very obvious to that audience there, but to us, it sounds so weird and mm-hmm. cryptic. This is why... Good Bible study matters because it helps us understand things. But uh, it's the same thing. Culture and words are always moving, and phrases are always changing. Like um, people around the church and our staff team give me grief because I don't understand the way that Gen Z talks at all. Like, there's all these phrases and things that I'm still learning. Like, to be gas is good. Oh, that's that's gas. But I said the gas, and they're like, no, (laughs) that's not how that works. Like, I'm like learning all these things, so I'm always just going to be in the wrong generation trying to understand these phrases but it's just fascinating to hear stories um behind these things yeah. To me at least.
0: yeah yeah the one that really stuck out to me um was steal one's thunder you know to take credit for yeah. someone else's work it was like literal yeah. so it says playwright john dennis back in the 18th century made a machine that could nicely mimic the sound of thunder for his play sadly his play wasn't a success but somebody had taken note of his clever invention when later on in another theater, Dennis found somebody had copied his thunder machine and was using it without credit, he got mad. Really mad. Somebody had stolen his thunder. <laughs> I know. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I had no idea. About it. I would have thought love. that
1: went back to like Norse mythology or something. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not, nothing to <laughs> no. do with Thor. No. no but, uh,
0: <laughs> literal thunder machines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So does reading through these things make you more self-conscious when you use these common phrases that don't really make sense?
2: I hadn't really thought about that too much mm-hmm. until um, recently. Like we were in the office and one of our coworkers said something had been grandfathered in. I just thought that was like a everybody's grandfather. You know, <laughs> like it was an old thing, like because something was so old or whatever, like It was just naturally included Mm -hmm. but we found out like that was not actually the case it came about during the 19th century um when there were laws about regulating voting that ultimately discriminated against african americans and so it has like this racist (laughs) undertone to being grandfathered in and i had no idea i literally just thought Mm -hmm. we all got old grandparents (laughs) you know like it was just a Mm -hmm. but no It has racist undertones. So now, like, I do find myself kind of checking myself a little bit, like, when I'm about to say something that seems weird, you know, Mm because I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that about Grandfather
1: No, I did not. That just opens up lots of different doors in my head of, you know, there's just all these phrases, like, you know, you remember hearing about, like, lullabies and how Mm -hmm. if you actually look at the lyrics of lullabies, they're like dark and twisted and scary. And there's like all these phrases that we can, in a benign sense, say today, Mm -hmm. like, the grandfather did kind of thing and not know that, mm-hmm. that that's the undertones and so is the speaking of those things wrong when we don't know them right. or like because that's not our intention and we don't know that you know it's like it's all that kind of thing and yeah. so it comes to like well will that offend somebody could that offend somebody mm-hmm. that's the question we should be asking will that mm-hmm. hurt somebody or cause harm to somebody and it you know i don't know it's mm-hmm. like those are the questions leading to it but i didn't know because i i would just i don't think I would think too carefully about so many of these things i would probably just like yeah. it might just be my personality mm-hmm. but i'll be like oh i learned about that later well now i'm not going to say that anymore yeah. <laughs> you well, know? and i think that's
2: the thing like once you know better you do better there it is. Until, there it is, un- yeah. until you know like yeah it, your intent is not to be malicious but yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's
1: it's hard though because yeah. words are always changing yeah. and things that i mean like i remember gro- specifically growing up and being like younger mm-hmm. elementary school and in our house we were not allowed to say the f word mm-hmm. And fart. the F word was fart.
0: <laughs> and it was like, and all my friends were saying it, it was like the
1: most common word for yeah. a seven-year-old boy to say ever. Right? And now, you know, you move past that and uh-huh. you think like, wow, that, that word is a very benign word. Yeah. You know? and there's other words that come to your mind when I say the F yeah. word, right? So, uh, so it, it's just this interesting moving target. And so, again, whenever we talk about language and words and phrases, I think the Christ-like way to look at it is how does this affect somebody else? Not mm-hmm. just can I say it? Yeah, you you can say it, but does this affect somebody else? Does this perpetuate something that's harmful to somebody else? Like those are the questions we should be Mm -hmm. asking about our words instead of, is this the list of four letter words? Is this the words you can't say on broadcast Mm -hmm. television? Those are, that's not helpful conversations. Uh, but yeah, it will help me think differently about these phrases and just be curious about the way Mm -hmm. that these (laughs) words and phrases come to be instead of just owning them and not thinking about what they could mean or what they did mean Mm -hmm. that's an interesting place Mm -hmm. to
0: be yeah and when i get to thinking about it too much i start to feel bad for people who english isn't their first language this is so confusing (laughs) if you don't understand because like we just say these phrases we don't know where they originated from and we just assume everyone else knows what we're saying but some of them are really confusing and do not mean what you might think they mean if you're not if you didn't grow up speaking English
2: and it's the same with slang too like Mm. if you think you know if you're learning English and somebody tells you about the word sick and you're like oh they're ill or whatever and you're like no sick can also be cool or whatever and you're like what (laughs) this doesn't make any sense at all sick
1: Mm. is gas right (laughs) no Joel Joel is mid right now there it is
2: so
0: embarrassing so our final topic today is about the new Amazon Prime documentary, Shiny Happy People, Duggar Family Secrets. This is by Julia Willoughby and Olivia Christ. Shiny Happy People dives into the Duggar Family stars of the show 19 Kids and Counting. It explores not only the family, but the religion they were a part of, the Institute of Basic Life Principles, IBLP. It includes interviews from Jill Duggar Dillard, the second oldest Duggar girl, her husband Derek Dillard, their cousin Amy King, and several individuals who have left the IBLP religion. The documentary explores many different topics. It talks about the sexual abuse from Josh Duggar and how Jim Bob and Michelle attempted to hide it, as well as sexual abuse within IBLP and how many young women were groomed to accept what happened to them as normal. It talked more about how Jim Bob was the only one being paid by TLC for the TV show, and he refused to pay his adult children that were forced to continue being on the show after even moving out. They also spent time talking about the homeschool curriculum from IBLP called Advanced Training Institute. This curriculum is based on the Sermon on the Mount. Homework questions include things like, how can graphs help to visualize the consequences of lust? How do prime numbers illustrate the principle of one flesh in marriage? And how did true mourning result in revivals in colonial America? Another topic talked about frequently within ATI and IBLP is the umbrella of authority. This stated that God is authority over everyone, and it trickled down to fathers being over mothers and mothers being over children. The IBLP website says God-given authorities can be considered umbrellas of protection. By honoring and submitting to authorities, you will receive the privileges of their protection, direction, and accountability. If you resist their instructions and move out from their jurisdictional care, you forfeit your place under their protection and face life's challenges and temptations on your own. So these are just a few of the topics that they touched on in the documentary. There was so much in there. So, Allison, I know you watched the Duggars uh, TV show. What about this documentary surprised you knowing so much about the family already?
2: So, unfortunately, I wouldn't say that a lot of it actually surprised me. I Mm -hmm. think what is, like, what always drew me to it um, or fascinated me by it was – because my mind just literally couldn't wrap itself around what was happening. Like I just couldn't take my eyes off because you knew that something wasn't quite right. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'd been around elementary age kids, teenagers, like they complain about doing chores. They (laughs) fight with their siblings, you know, like all Mm -hmm. these things. And so to watch this and not see any of that, you're like something, something's, different yeah. here you know and not saying that if you have families where the kids get along all the time or they don't complain about their chores that's wrong because kudos to you I wish that was my <laughs> um, but you know so I think that's kind of what same with like John and Kate plus eight was another show mm-hmm. or like Sister Wives even like these different shows like it's not you're watching it I feel like because you know something is Mm-hmm. different you yeah. know strange there so I w- unfortunately I wouldn't say too much uh surprised me but I wish I wish that it had yeah, more yeah. but yeah did you ever watch it yeah I watched okay. it a lot
0: growing up and I have eight siblings so yeah. my mom constantly would like Not really compares to them, but would be like, look how good these kids behave. (laughs) Why can't you get along with your siblings like that? And so I think what stuck out to me about the documentary, they talked about how they started physical discipline from when they were babies. Yeah, Yeah, they did this thing called blanket training where they so dark. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's disgusting. They'd put a baby on a blanket, put a toy just outside of the blanket, and if the baby started to reach for it, they'd smack them. Yeah. And Which is like
1: developmentally like just so destructive yeah. and just jacked up in yeah. so many different ways.
0: And so it, it makes me glad that I wasn't like them right, because yeah. knowing that they were like this because they knew they would get physically disciplined if they didn't obey. Yeah, Stupid things like that yeah. where, you know, you're reaching for a toy, you're a baby. Like yeah. that's what babies are going yeah. to do. <laughs> but Yeah, there was an
1: interesting line. I think it was one, the cousin speaking mm-hmm. once of saying like you saw how these kids were and how they behave, but nobody really asked the question, what did you have to do to get them there? Yeah, and that yeah. was where the dark side of it really came from, yeah. because in so many ways, their wills were broken. Yeah. And um, man, and I just, I can't wrap my head around that mm-hmm. being a completely healthy to. <laughs> I'm trying to be mm-hmm. as generous as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Raise and discipline kids like to break their will. Don't you want to like guide and shepherd their will and help like lead them? You know, there's just like so much... That's so destructive inside of this way of mixing faith and family and and together because it's so much of it is power and dominance and such a focus on authority and who's in charge and who's supposed to be under the authority of another person. It's just such a distortion of the way I understand the New Testament, the way of Jesus. And what God's doing in the world. It just blows my mind how it can be so mixed in with religion Mm -hmm. as well. And sad to me. But, I mean, there was, yeah, Yeah. I had never watched the Duggars thing. And Mm -hmm. so, like, just watching this, I was, like, doubly shocked. Because you get the shock of, like, what the show actually showed. And then you get to see beneath the surface what was really Mm -hmm. going on. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, did nobody see this coming? Like, Mm -hmm." did nobody, like, ask the questions then? Or were we all just kind of, like... Watching the tragedy porn of it, just being like, oh my gosh, this is so jacked up, and we couldn't Mm -hmm. turn away from the car wreck. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just to consider like real people and kids and Mm -hmm. family relationships that have all been tainted because of it. I mean, it was really shocking to me. And I honestly watched it in like the course of 24 hours because I couldn't
0: stop watching. Mm -hmm. Like, because,
1: you know, I'm just really drawn to stories of religious trauma and trying to tell a better story. And Mm -hmm. this one laid it out pretty clear.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's been interesting, like, since the show stopped, I follow three of the daughters on um, Instagram. So Just, they have
1: Instagram now. They have yeah, like well, they've left. So they, these three. So, okay, so there are multiple kids that have, like, left the family.
2: Well, or moved out. Like, moved some of them up. still have relationship with the family, okay. but are out on their own. Like, they're married, have their own kids. Some of them don't have relationship with with the family anymore at all um and you know one of the documentary talks to jill uh a lot Mm -hmm. and i was surprised i guess one thing that did surprise me was that um ginger which is another one of the daughters wasn't in the documentary at all because she um her and jill have both recently put out books basically just spelling out their trauma their life trauma their church trauma like what this has done for them as far as like deconstructing their faith and trying to figure out what they actually believe or find to be true versus what they were taught growing up. Um, but I read another article from that had Ginger talking in it and she said that basically she wanted the book to like be her voice. Like this was everything that I wanted to say and I didn't necessarily feel like I needed to... She also didn't want to worry about being edited in a, mm-hmm. in a bad light too. Mm-hmm. And so she's like basically this book is everything I have to say, but yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I second what Jill said basically in a lot of the um, documentary. So, so yeah, there's um, you know, there's a few of them that have found a different way. Um, and then, yeah, there's still several kids who are still living at home. So mm-hmm. I don't know what this means for them. Like that's, again, I just think about all of how sad, you know, all of it is because mm-hmm. you look at those older kids and you're like, OK, they now have this opportunity to figure out life, but you still have at least four kids. Well, you think home.
1: about the layer trauma, too, of just they were they their child stars, like they're yeah. celebrities mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. didn't get paid for it no. and yeah. and like now they're dealing with just the normal any child actor, any mm-hmm. child celebrity reality star like. Dealing with that thing. We've talked about celebrity on the podcast before, too, and how that's just a crushing weight we weren't created to live with. Mm-hmm. Then you layer on the family dynamics that mm-hmm. are all jacked and broken by abuse or abuse of power, mm-hmm. and then the religious trauma on top of that to where their their view of God has to shift or morph, or they're staying in this kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, It's just a truly like Shakespearean trage- mm-hmm. tragedy kind of thing. And I was just blown away by the whole thing. Abby, from your experience growing up in – Um, a large family Mm -hmm. who
2: homeschooled yeah who homeschooled as well
1: Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that like I mean were things triggering for you were they like well this is fascinating or like what was that experience like for you I mean I'm sure there were tons of differences Mm -hmm. but like you know on the other side of it now what were what was the experience watching that like
0: um I don't know if any of it was really triggering, mm-hmm. but it was interesting seeing how some of their like rules that they followed and like their curriculum and stuff like that seemed to really apply to other homeschool families I knew growing up be- growing up because we were part of homeschool co-ops my whole life, so we were close with lots of other homeschool families and I saw a lot of their values and stuff in these other homeschool families where now that those kids are grown up they're going through the same Mm -hmm. thing where they're deconstructing and they're trying to figure out what they believe and so it's it's crazy seeing those parallels because i mean i watched the duggars i grew up around these people that had these same like beliefs and stuff but i never connected the two because i didn't realize that's what was going Mm -hmm. on and you know i didn't know a lot of this stuff until i watched the documentary about like the iblp and advanced training institute and things like that and so learning more about that i'm able to connect those pieces or like joshua generation um i've heard of and know a few um people who did try to go into government and politics and things like that and i just thought oh that's just something they're interested in but i now looking at i'm like is it part of that where the joshua generation for those who didn't watch the documentary was basically telling uh families to raise their kids to go into the government so that they could essentially take, take over the infiltrate, government infiltrate, yeah, infiltrate, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah infiltrate yeah. the government and have majority mm-hmm. and um so i i kind of connect that too and it's Crazy. You were around things. a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, even if yeah. You were in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is yeah. fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. You were the rebel homeschool family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
1: such an interesting thing because when I when I try to learn from this, um, there are some elements to the, the this thinking and worldview that has been very mainstreamed. You know, a lot that everybody would scoff at or be like, Oh, I can't believe that. But there are some elements to this that have that really you find the genesis of some of this thinking in this world that's now been mainstreamed. Um for example, I the umbrella of authority. Like I mean I've seen that from people that are not in these kind of religious waters all over the place on yeah. social media where it's you know God's God's the umbrella over the father and the father protects the mother and yeah. the mother That was takes a huge thing with a, a lot huge, of homeschool families. Yeah it's yeah. a huge mm-hmm. thing and it's you know the umbrellas there protect you from the devil's reign or whatever <laughs> that is which I don't know what the devil's reign is. Uh, but anyway uh, and I just think that, yeah, that's one way to interpret what's going on in the scriptures, but, man, that's just not the only way to understand this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that my family understands, uh, like, a family dynamic is more of a partnership and leading into, like, your giftedness and shared responsibility and respect and honor mm-hmm. mutual submission instead of wife you submit to the husband and the husband submits to God and the kids submits to the wife, I mean, the mom and all that kind of stuff, like, It's more of a mutual understanding of a posture of service that we want to carry and respect and honor Mm -hmm. and not this top-down approach, which kind of feels militant and it's really bent on power, Mm -hmm. um, which, man, you just see when people build systems around power, how quickly it is people get eaten alive by that desire for power and authority It's just so jacked up. so there's that, but then also just when it comes to the political sphere, um, like the element that you were talking about, the Joshua generation was raising your kids to basically infiltrate the government so that we mm-hmm. can get, um, so we can get God's kingdom here, the way that God wants things to be run here. And, you know, in some ways, like I, I empathize with the end goal of like, we need to be people that usher in God's kingdom and partner with God and God's kingdom. But man, I just can't see it any differently than, God's kingdom is not like this world and God's kingdom doesn't come from force or power or sneaking around or infiltration and getting into positions of power. Like when, when God wanted to like start his kingdom movement, he sent Jesus and did he send Jesus as like part of the emperor's family Mm -hmm. to like Mm -hmm. get close to the Mm -hmm. Caesar? no he sent him to the backwaters of the roman empire to a a nobody family into poverty and then he how did he like show what his kingdom looked like he went to the least and the last and those who didn't have power he didn't work his way up in a political system so yeah i I believe that god's kingdom is coming and i want to be a part of that arrival um but that kingdom comes through sacrifice and through gentleness and kindness and love and This, this kingdom comes from losing, not winning. Like that's how Jesus actually did the thing was by losing and (laughs) dying and giving up his life. And so, man, I just, I'm just so struck by the allure of power. And if we just get the right guy in Mm -hmm. office, the right person in office, then God's going to get his way. And I just, I get the allure of that, but that's not the story that is told through Jesus. It's a story that's upside down Mm -hmm. and it looks like losing. (laughs) And so, um, but I see that, that that desire for we need to get in there and get moral people in this. I, I see that desire. I just think that it comes a different way. Mm-hmm. I think that God's kingdom is upside down and it, it's counterintuitive. And that's the kind of thing that I want to be a part of. And um, and I, it breaks my heart seeing these thoughts that come from this very small sect of a conservative, fundamentalist mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, sort of seep out to other streams of christianity to where it can be mainstream but man i just i think there's a different way to tell the story god's kingdom comes through love and sacrifice and through kindness and by losing uh, that is how things get done Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's not easy but man that's just what jesus was up to so but yeah this whole thing it it's pretty unbelievable, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it all happened, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, it's just sad for the whole family, for the individual members of it, for those who were like impacted by the show. Because I'm sure even like you have production teams that you know watched a lot of stuff happen, and mm-hmm. and then yeah, just for the church as a whole, because you have people who wouldn't probably call themselves Jesus followers who are watching or seeing these things play out, or just seeing the hurt and the trauma and you know, like what does that mean for their, you know, belief or them, you know, I don't know, coming to know Jesus for who we believe that he is. So yeah, the whole thing for me, is just, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah.
1: I would just say this too, if like anybody's listening, cause I have these conversations all the time with people that maybe they grew up in a, in a stream or a tribe of Christianity that um, had some of these tendencies and they kind of felt like they've lost their way. Um, First, I just want to say, um, man, I'm so sorry that you've been harmed the way that you have. I mean, that breaks my heart. It breaks God's heart. Like, that's not what he's up to. Um, So I'm so sorry that you've had to endure that and been harmed. Um, But secondly, I just say that I I would just invite you to trust that there's a different way to tell the story. There's there's a different way to understand the Bible, the person of Jesus, what God is up to in the world that um, doesn't look restrictive and punitive and authority-obsessed, man, there's a different way. And I don't think it's something that we're inventing out of thin air. I think it's the original story. I think it's the way that uh, Jesus actually came into the world. And, um, man, I just encourage you to find a a faith community where you can ask questions, where you're not going to get shunned or shut down, where you can take a good look at the person of Jesus. Because if you want to know what God is like, Um, Don't look at your church leader. Mm -hmm. Don't look at the person on stage. Don't look at YouTube and what's got Mm -hmm. the biggest Christian hits on YouTube. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll be surprised and um, just be intrigued and compelled by who he is and the story that he was telling in the world and what he's inviting people to do today. So don't don't give up on the Jesus thing, man. Mm -hmm. Take a look at Jesus first. And if you find yourself back into a church um, and a faith community, that's a beautiful thing that I think will be fulfilling but take a look at Jesus and don't get caught up in all this other stuff.
0: Yeah. So I've heard some people say that this documentary is an attack on Christian values. So what do you guys think about that? Hmm.
1: I didn't (laughs) see it as an attack on Christian values. I I saw it as an attack on a, on a twisted version of the Christian values and Christian stories. It's like, Every every turn you could take on what the fruit of the spirit looked like, this was not the fruit of the spirit. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. this, this this didn't produce patient, kind, graceful people. You know, it, it produced a lot of hurt and trauma and oppression. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we didn't even get into this, but the whole role of a woman mm-hmm. inside of a family and inside of a culture, like, it just doesn't it's not an attack on Christian values. It's an attack on the, the shadow side or the, the opposite of Christian values in so many ways. And not saying that the people behind the documentary are, are Christians, but I think they're critiquing this the same way that Jesus was critiquing religion in the first century and saying, you guys think that you have this, but you're missing the most important things. Um, you're, you're, you're twisting what this story is supposed to be from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, I don't, I don't see that at all. And, man, like, let's have some humility and to listen to stories of people that have actually been hurt instead of being so defensive, um, to be like, well, they're attacking our Christian values. Let's actually listen to people that have been hurt and, like, hear their stories and have some humility and own any part of it that we can own in it so that we can be better and grow. I just, yeah, I don't have a lot of patience Mm -hmm. for that conversation. This is an attack on Christian values. You know what's like an attack on Christian values? like when there's greed and yeah. people are being hurt mm-hmm. and you know i mean and like victim uh, yeah, and 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 so sh- and shame yeah and people try to silence and shame victims i'm like that's an attack on christian values yeah. um and so yeah i just mm-hmm. i think let's sit and listen and learn and take our lashes where we have to so that we can grow yeah um and that's all I've got to say. About I know. <laughs> I,
2: I, and I'm just sitting here thinking, my mom always said, if you don't have anything nice to say. But, you know, <laughs> <that>? <laughs> but, yeah. you know it, I just reiterate all that that Joel said. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't think that it's an attack on Christian values because I don't think that the way that they were, and maybe their intentions originally were good and mm-hmm. true. And, um, but ultimately like that just wasn't the case. So, mm-hmm. I don't think
0: we're talking about the same things. We're talking about Christian values, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I encourage you, if if you think that way about the documentary, I feel like a lot of people who have said that haven't actually sat down and watched it with Mm -hmm. an open mind. Mm -hmm. I think they've come into it with an opinion already about what it's going to look like. And so I encourage you to just watch it, Mm -hmm. have an open mind and, you know, have empathy towards these people who have gone through all of this. And I think you'll, You'll probably see it a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is it for this episode of A Typical Talk. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about, you can email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Atypical Pod, And make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there, down here in your everyday life.